Hello, hello, and this is December 14th. So this is going to be a weird one. Before I get into what's weird, let's, let's mention some stuff. In 1819, Alabama becomes a state. The Wright brothers make their first attempt at flight in 1903. In 1939, the Soviet Union is expelled from the League of Nations for invading Finland in what is known as the Winter War. And George Washington dies in 1799. Oh, and in 1836, the Toledo War between Michigan and Ohio is unofficially ended. Wait, what? So that rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan has a pretty solid basis. What drives two states to go to war against each other? A poorly made map. That's right, a map. See, when the US government was setting lines for which territories had which borders, the map at the time set the border of Ohio to be at the southerly bend of Lake Michigan. But the map is a little janky. For reference, I'm calling the line set by the old map to be the old line, and the line set by the new map to be the new line. Just so we can figure this out later. Not a big deal, then. I mean, it isn't like they're states. Except, when Ohio became a state, it used the correct map set by the new line to establish itself. The new map gave Ohio one heck of a shipping advantage. But when Michigan requested statehood, they set the boundaries by the old map, creating a strip of land claimed by both. This strip included the city of Toledo, hence the Toledo Strip. That shipping advantage I mentioned a second ago? That's big. This is pre-railroad, so canals, lakes, and rivers were the highways of trade. In those days, traveling by water was significantly faster than traveling by land. So when you control a port that sits at the entryway to one of the Great Lakes, that's a big deal. And that trade would also grow as a canal connecting New York City to Buffalo in New York was completed in 1825. Additionally, this region was some prime farming ground. And farms mean economic activity. And economic activity means sweet, sweet tax revenue. And governments really, really love their tax revenue. So take all of that in. That is some seriously big things I want to keep. Before I go any farther, I should probably mention something. Not everyone's born in the United States, so they don't really get the concept of the United States being a bunch of states. They're not like provinces or districts that are controlled by a centralized government. These are actual independent, nominally so, states. They all have their own governing apparatus, they have their own laws, own constitutions, they have their own courts, and they even have their own militaries, at least in the form of the National Guard. This kind of decentralization was actually really necessary for the early republic. So, Back then, communication wasn't the strong suit of anywhere. And with the big stretch of territory that the United States controlled, even then, they had to be able to respond quickly and efficiently to any problems, you know, raids, banditry, etc. As such, the state governments and territorial governments would often have militaries themselves rather than just focusing on one centralized military stationed in Washington, D.C., now that we have that squared away, because it is important for this story to know about this, let's continue. 
So now that you know that everyone had militaries, obviously everyone wanted this to be resolved peacefully and barely. So Congress, after dealing with the War of 1812, sent out some land surveys. The surveyor closed on the old line rather than the new one, giving the edge to Michigan. Towns in this area assumed they were to be part of Michigan at this point. When Michigan hit the 60,000 population minimum to qualify for statehood, they sought to do so. This is where Ohio flexes its muscle. See, Ohio was a state. Not a territory, a state. They used their connections with the federal government to block Michigan from becoming a state. Ohio also set up several counties in the strip and even tried to make the new line the formal line. At this point, the leader of the territory, Stevens T. Mason, used his power of commander-in-chief of the territory to send soldiers to hold the strip. The government of Ohio, Robert Lucas, did the same for his militia and sent troops to just south of the old line. So now, the armies are in play. It's at this point that two big and unmentioned factors come into play. Number one is politics. Ohio was a state and a swing state at that, so keeping Ohio happy meant having a pretty good block of voters. And Ohio was growing, too, so it was only going to get more powerful in the House and in the Electoral College, which decides on who is president. Enter factor number two. U.S. President Andrew Jackson. That Jackson. Jackson saw the power of the electoral block and realized that it would be really, really bad if the Democrats lost that. He consulted his attorney general about it, and the AG told him that the land kind of belonged to Michigan. There was a battle in the form of the Battle of Phillips Corners, where Ohioan surveyors were chased off by Michigander military. No one was hurt in the shooting, but yeah, things are heating up even more. Now, the only bloodshed of this quote-unquote war was when a Michigander sheriff was stabbed by one of the sons of a one Major Benjamin Stickney. The Michigander sheriff was trying to arrest Stickney for voting in an Ohioan election. Now, the son who stabbed the Michigander sheriff, and it's not really technically important, but it's kind of interesting and kind of funny, the son's name was Two Stickney. His brother was One Stickney. Google it, that, that, that's true, I really can't make this shit up. Back to the main story. Mason was removed by power by Jackson. And remember, Mason was the leader of the territory of Michigan. But at this point, Congress had had enough. They issued a compromise, one that favored Ohio, but a compromise. The new line would be adopted, and Michigan would get the Upper Peninsula. Michigan didn't like the deal, but Michigan was dealing with some serious economic problems, and so they took the deal. At the end of the day, though, Michigan probably won that battle. The Upper Peninsula, while being at the time full of wilderness and Indians, turned out to have a whole lot of mineable shit. And this led to a mining boom, which, yeah, that was way better than the land they traded. The differences of opinion about the border would last until 1915, when all issues about it were settled by a new survey. While normally they would have had to stay to the new line, the surveyors deviated at times to ensure continuity of ownership on both sides of the border. The governors of both states shook hands on the state line markers, ending the already unofficially ended conflict once and for all. So that's all I have for you today. Come back tomorrow to hear about one of the most underrated generals ever, Belisarius. Belisarius.